0: This is The People's Show with Dick Nazar and Randy Janda. Final hour of The People's Show live at the Audlem Brown Van Open. World-class tennis that we're seeing here in West Vancouver. It's nice to have this tournament back as well. Oh, yeah, It's been a while, three years, without having this tournament. I remember I was here back in 2019 as well for one of the opening days. Just awesome to lounge around, you know, have a drink in hand, hang out for a few hours, watch some world-class tennis. Yeah. Kind of what Bick is doing right now. I know. If you missed the show, he's on vacation. and He's, he's here. Pa- he's apparently vacationing in West Vancouver.
1: <laughs> he had that conversation with Canberra. <laughs> he did, yes. He rented a house
0: out here, apparently. <laughs> and uh, so far, what we're seeing is uh, Fernando Verdasco, former number seven in the world, is leading his match, 6-3, 4-3 in the second set. So going to try to win this in the final or in the second set. And others as well. Brancus who was the winner the last time this tournament took place, won a little bit earlier on. And you're going to be able to see some uh, other Canadian content as well. Rebecca Marino playing a little bit later on today. Jeannie Bouchard has an expected uh, time of 310. So we'll see if they stick to that schedule. Should be getting started on her court, uh, which is center court. The round of 32 here in a few moments time if that match before it wraps up. But as of right now, uh, I think they're just getting ready. It seems like they're hitting some warm-up balls. Yeah, it looks like
1: warm-ups from over there.
0: So, exciting stuff. Curious to see how she responds. It's obviously been 17 months without playing tennis, competitive tennis. She had shoulder surgery. This is a a difficult spot for any athlete. But her struggles were well-documented even before that, before those injuries. So... Excited to see what she has in store. She's admitted that the bar is pretty low. She just wants to get out there and hopefully win matches, but at the same time, get those reps in. Uh, it is the People Show live on location and did want to talk about the Vancouver Canucks here as well. It's quiet season. As somebody who texted in earlier on in the previous hour said, it's like Lou Lemarello time, just quiet. <laughs> Nobody's saying a word. We're hearing conversations about JT Miller's contract, as we have all summer long. But there's been no news, really, since the draft. That's the last time they talk. But once you start thinking about this team, what it's going to look, what it's going to look like, and especially with the way that this team is built out right now, there is depth on the wings. When you have Pod Colson maturing, hopefully, this year, you have Kuzmenko, big addition in free agency, European free agency. Yep. And you add Ilya Mikheyev, who makes this PK better, but also, five on five, he's going to add a certain type of player that is going to work well, should work well in your top nine. Gives you options on the wings, gives you depth. But the question I have is, the center position. On paper, as of right now, you could ice a lineup with JT Miller, Elias Pettersson, Bo Horvat, as your top three centers, if you want to, mm-hmm. and Curtis Lazar would be your fourth Which we center.
1: saw a, a fair bit last season. We
0: did. Now, is that something you'd want to continue with, or is that something that you say, hey, load up and have one of those other guys play on the wing? Go back to the lotto line, for instance. Because I, I do think they're in a position right now where they'll probably use both of these options, but on opening night,
1: what do the Canucks come with? What do you want to see first? I would want to see them load up. I think we'll see the, the, the center spread. But I, I think that, and, and for me, it's it's Miller on the wing. Um, and then you, you go to him as a center uh, later. And, and it's, it's such a great luxury to have to be able to put a player who can be a dominant first-line winger, uh, as we've seen him do in Vancouver, and move to, you know, we call it third-line center, if you will, yeah. but he, he's still playing a ton of minutes, right? So it's it's more about trying to get the most out of what you have. But I, I start with loading it up, and if I, I would I would go probably him with, with Pedersen. Um, and the lotto line, like you said, ran deep. Was, I mean, that line with Besser in 2019-20 was so good. Fireworks. And it, it has been a couple of years, and there's been ups and downs for, you know, Miller certainly was not at his best for a lot of the um, the, the Canadian division season. And then last year with uh, with Brock Besser having a down year, that line, and, and Pedersen, of course, also having his, his ups and downs in that stretch yeah. too. It, it hasn't made, uh, it, or it hasn't worked, those three together. And I don't know if it, the, the third necessarily has to be Brock Besser. But I, I, I would like to see Pedersen and Miller reunited.
0: Well, it depends on what you want to do with that, because there's some people that I think would look at and say, hey, why don't you try the new guy on that first line? And he's not necessarily a first-line player, but what do we know about McKayev? McKev is kind of that guy that, you know, he's going to be able to hound the puck. He's going to work hard. He's yeah, going he's be a great complementary player. Puck retriever, he's going to pressure. And I think when you look at that dollar figure and you look at his role in Toronto, he wasn't playing in the top six. He wasn't playing that role, but they're a deep team as well. They had luxuries on that in that lineup. Whereas I think in Vancouver, he could kind of play like a Zach Hyman esque role. Yeah, right. Where you're just saying, all right, if it's Pedersen, if it's Miller, you guys, JT's going to play a physical game. Elias Pedersen will be defensively responsible. And maybe make up for some of the deficiencies, especially in the back checks for JT Miller. <laughs> yes, he's got his elements that they can they can work off each other, and JT will help with the, the faceoffs, face-offs yep. and and all of that. But is there a player that can help and really just do the dirty work and help create some room for some of these guys? McKeever may be able to do that. Mm-hmm. I, it may be a little high in the lineup for him, but you do have that luxury. Now, I'm of the opinion though, I I'd like to see them start with the three centers okay. spread out. And the reason I say that is, we know that Jason Dickinson is not the answer at center. Yeah, like I know that. I don't know about anybody else if they want to see him play on the Canucks down the middle anymore. It was not compelling hockey. No, it was and
1: it was Bick Nazar hockey because he was a big fan of it.
0: Yeah, it, big big Dickinson guy. Yeah, um, but if I look at the way he played, like he, he's we kind of give him the name the suppressor. He suppresses on defense, and he also suppresses on offense because he ain't going to give you much offense. So you're not gaining much, right? But you're not losing much, and that's fine. But I don't want to see him playing down the middle because realistically, and I think honestly, if we all look back last year, when was he playing the best? It's actually on the wing. Yeah. So spread out those centers a little bit. Lazar is going to be fourth-line center. We know that. They've been looking for the right shot center for a long, long time. They got their guy. On that deal, and million bucks, I don't mind it whatsoever. I think he'll be – he's not going to put up points, but at the very least, he's going to be a guy that you know what you expect from him. Yep. And now the rest of the guys, Horvat, Miller, Pedersen, they all have offensive pop. We've seen that. Even Bo Horvat, who last year scored above 30 goals. If you pair them with the right guys, I think that gives you an option of three scoring lines. Three lines that the line that Bo plays on will probably have a shutdown role to it, an element to that. But at the same time, a guy scored 30 goals. You put him next to somebody with some speed, maybe with some playmaking ability. I think that could be a spot for Pod Colson who can shoot and pass. Or, you know, we've seen Pedersen play well with a Pod Colson as well in, in moments. You do have options on the wing. Now, where you can utilize those guys and make those other wingers around you better to spread out the offense. So I'm on the opposite. I, I think the way that you start the season is pose a bit of a matchup problem where teams, now that you've loaded up on the wings, all right, have one of the best forward groups in the division for sure, potentially even the Western Conference. You spread it out and you see what kind of matchup problems you can pose early on. We know Boudreaux is probably going to tinker with these lines a lot. That center, what what do good teams have? A strong spine? For sure. Pinox have that right now.
1: They do. But for me, the starting point has to be what we saw with at least seeing if there's anything left in the lotto line. Because that line, statistically, and it was a small sample, it was not even a full season. But they had numbers that were similar to the Bergeron-Marchon-Pasternak line in Boston in terms of goals for and mm-hmm. expected goals for and the way that they were able to turn possession into offense. They were a legit top-five line. And for the conversation, you're right. You look at the, the cup-winning teams, it's down the middle. They have really good – they obviously have a superstar center. Um, and, look, I use superstar in the sense that Ryan O'Reilly, yep. in terms of his impact, was a superstar elite, center.
0: elite player in terms yep. of
1: what he does. We had
0: this conversation about Mark Stone as well, like absolutely, point totals don't dictate why we call him an elite, they're all around Yeah, game.
1: it's in the, the impact on both ends of the ice. But then yes, really strong second, third line. I, st- I think with this Canucks team and the way that they're going to have to win, I'm looking to see if I can have one of the best lines in hockey first. Before going, and look, at least they have some more options, because last year we were talking a lot about okay, where does Garland go? Uh, the, the the bloom has really come off of Oglander since yep. then. We were talking about that. And could he be? And it seems like, you know, in, in Mikheyev, it's like, okay, we're going to go get a guy that can do the things we think Oglander Ho- might be able to do, but he can do them right now. So, and Kuzmenko, I, I have high expectations for Pudkholz in this year because yes. I thought that in stretches last year he was really good and and fun to watch and the type of player and this is what people said when he was drafted a complementary skill set but not that that's not a negative that's yeah. a hey this guy can play with good like elite players he can play with the best player on your team and produce and make them better so there are yeah like there there are there are a lot more options but i i want the starting point of JT Miller's coming off a 99 point season we know what Elias Patterson can be let's see if we have if there's anything left, then that's and I said it doesn't have to be Brock Besser. Maybe it's Mikheyev. Maybe that's a better fit because of what he brings. Maybe it's Podkolzin. Who knows? But see if there's anything left in that duo that it feels like it was such a long time ago, and I guess in hockey terms it was a long time yeah. ago. But it also feels like that was the last sort of full normal full season that we had. Uh, that wasn't entirely a full season, but like. Up Close until enough. the shutdown, it was it yeah. felt like it was what was supposed to be a full season. It was one of the best lines in hockey.
0: Well, last year, and especially when Miller played with Besser and Pearson, it felt that that chemistry between Besser and, and Pearson was there as well, right? Like, it, listen, Brock Besser had a, a rough season, and we know why. Yeah. It was a tough year off the ice for him, tough year on the ice. But there are elements there. There are moments where, wait, that that line – Tanner Pearson did the dirty work And JT and Brock They had success with that So I think that duo uh, We'll have to see about that Because the JT and Pedersen one I'm not I'm not so sure I'm not so sure how If they're going to load that up right off the bat But hey, you're right They do have history They had, they had a lot of success early on But it's been a while It's been a while since we saw it to that level We got this text coming in uh, Unsigned, please sign your text So we can give you a shout out I say spread the love out, uh, players on each of the four lines, and then use all top players on our so-called power play, which most years has been lousy. <laughs> uh, bubble year. That year it was top five. Very NHL. good. And a lot of those goals came against Nashville, who couldn't figure out the Vancouver Ooh. Canucks power play. Yes. Brutal PK that year. But this texture is saying, you know, spread out the love and then make it essentially a NHL 94 type of power play, where you're just loading up and like, you know, Four forwards, one defenseman, Quinn Hughes, who's essentially a forward uh, as well. we got Alistair and Clearwater coming in with, I'd rather see Hoaglander in the top six over Kuzmenko. He deserves a run with good players more than a
1: free agent does. Interesting take there. You agree with that? Uh, No. Look, I I, I think we can think back to the rookie Hoaglander and still be excited about that season. But he, he really dropped off last year, especially late. And there's a... There's something that needs to be brought back, and you pay Mikhaev because you expect him to, sure. to make an impact pretty pretty immediately. So the
0: Ilya Mikheyev contract, you get him for a couple of reasons, right? And I think the first is penalty kill. He is an elite penalty killer. Him and Pierre Engvall last year was the reason that the Toronto Maple Leafs PK was so good and so aggressive and got that many goals. He was an elite penalty killer, and mm-hmm. I don't, that's not hyperbole. Look at the stats and look what he did last year with Engel. Yep. Very good. The other reason you get him is because there was a deficiency in the wing. There was. And Niels Hoaglander got an opportunity. He did. He got an opportunity. He's a player that was billed as high skill, but he's got snarl in his game. Now the question was, does he have that hockey sense to commit defensively? Does he have that? Does he read the play well enough? And we saw cracks in that last year. Not good. And we can all look back at those couple of moments where he started to exit the zone when the puck didn't leave, ends up in the back of his net. Everybody's looking at that and saying, Niels Hoaglander, where are you going? Why are you blowing the zone? His coach brought it up after the game as well. He was asked about that. But that was an opportunity missed. And top six for Niels Hoaglander, that doesn't make sense to me. Because he's got to show that he can actually play in this lineup and commit defensively. We talked about this yesterday. Is he a... Breakout candidate? Yes, he is. But a reason for that is his stock has fallen so much. Mm-hmm. The only way you can go is up. And I look at him and say, top six maybe via injury, or if he excels in a role in the third line to start. Yeah, because the fourth line is going to have a different personality. That's the
1: ceiling right now. For yes,
0: me. yes, and you know, and you hope
1: to be surprised, and you hope to. That he comes off and, and, and comes in and, and blows the doors off in that opportunity. But that that's just that's the ceiling on the opportunity at this point.
0: Yeah, and you know, you look at and Niels Hoaglander to me, I think that's a player that I look at and say, Okay, you're gonna have to prove a fair bit. Now the other thing, on the Kuzmenko front, Kuzmenko, you gotta remember when these deals happen, there's a pitch to be made. There's a opportunity that's given. It's a sales job. It's a sales job. You take him to Elisa, you take him to Blue Water, (laughs) and you make him promises.
1: Should have taken him here.
0: Yeah, should have brought him. He might be checking out this view. (laughs) I know know Kuzmenko's in town right now. He's, He's made the trip, according to Dan Milstein, who tweeted it out last week. But there's no promises that are made. But one of the things, one of the reasons... A player signs in Vancouver when he's got interest from others, including potentially playing with
1: McDavid. Right. That Remember. was the one. Remember, the, he shot down Edmonton. A lot was. of... Ro- I mean, he was he was there. He definitely yep. took... He went to Joey's. He took their pitch. He went to he Joey's. He went to Joey's. He had some lettuce wraps, apparently, according <laughs> to my sources. No, I can't, can't confirm that. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, that was, you know, you're going to have a chance to play with this guy.
0: You're going to have a chance. And he said no, and he came here instead. Yeah. And what is the reason? It's that it's the best opportunity to make... Money on that next contract. Yeah, We can all say, hey, Vancouver's great. Vancouver's a beautiful city. We're looking at it right now where we're situated here in West Van at the Van Open. But the reason is, is this the best opportunity for you to make good and be productive and make that next contract a good one as well? So it's on Kuzmenko to prove that he can stick in the top six, but he's going give, to be given a strong, good opportunity to be in that top six and beyond that, power play, too. He's he's a playmaker. He's got a good shot. And I'll even say this, Izzy. If JT Miller, for whatever reason, is not in the lineup, whether it's a trade, whether it's an injury, mm-hmm. if you're looking at his position on the power play and who can occupy that, because Manko's a pretty good bet. Yeah. He shoots from that side. He's comfortable. He's seen, you know, we've seen him in the KHL put up points from that side. He's a good playmaker. The KHL standards. We'll see what that means in the NHL, like a JT Miller. So you're in a position, you know, him kind of going downhill there with that shot, it makes a lot of sense. So he's going to be given an opportunity. It's not like he's just going to be, all right, you got to work your way in. No, I would be surprised if he's not on that second line to start the you know
1: the NHL season. This is this is a guy that we're talking, twenty seven years old. He ain't twenty two. Yeah, and no guarantee it works, but that's that's the way that this that's that's the way that this works. It might not work out. But that is the, the, the benefit, the luxury of going in, the, signing a experienced professional player who's been playing in Europe who can come in right away. And look, sometimes it doesn't work. Fabian Brunstrom, you know, yeah. great first game. It doesn't work. But he's going to get an opportunity, and the Canucks feel good at least I think they should feel good about the other pieces that they have up front in case it doesn't work or in case there's a better fit somewhere else. Maybe, maybe he is ultimately, maybe he gets that sort of Hoaglander type role on the third line, depending on the way that they stack up the centers. There are a lot of questions at the very least uh, of what uh, the lineup next season might look like.
0: And nobody knows what you know, Kuzmenko is going to look like. Andre Kuzmenko is a mystery to everybody because we've seen him play a certain level. He's put up points po- over a point per game player, but in the NHL, it's it's a, a huge question mark for this team but they do have depth they don't rely on this guy specifically but he will get an opportunity we got this from Ofuz. Miller between Pod Colson and Mikaev could be a nightmare to play against yeah the more I think about it I don't know who the center is and I mentioned this on yesterday's show mm-hmm. Pod Colson on one wing Mikaev on the other is a nightmare O-Fuzz, oh yeah. yeah like this is <laughs> I, in yesterday's show I, I don't know who that center is it could be Miller with sure. Power, you know, heavier game. Honestly, it could be Bo as well. Could. Because Pod Colson's a playmaker. He could play that role where he's, he's you know, he's got his own shot, but he can be complimentary to a guy like Bo. He can also play alongside Mikheyev, who's just tenacious. But, yeah, that whoever you put in the middle, I think that's going to be extremely strong – duo on the wings to, to play against so we'll see what happens we're gonna bring this back a little bit later on before we're done with the show a little bit later on but now it's time for don't at me your takes uninterrupted don't at me texting your submissions to 650
1: 650 don't at me. i said what i say
0: So don't at me brought to you by LeaseBusters. Get out of your vehicle lease with ease, confidence, and a Lease Busters leasing specialist to guide you through the journey. Go to Leasebusters.com to start the process today. And we're a show that loves to give to the people. Yes. So there is a prize for the best submission. A nooner at the Nat, you can win a pair of tickets to see the Vancouver Canadians take on the Hillsborough Hops on Friday, August 26th. So get those submissions in. 650-650. Izzy. I'm gonna start it off here. Okay. Don't at me but I think Nat Bailey Stadium and the Od Aud- Brown Van Open are tied for the best sports venue.
1: You know what's really in funny? The city. That is exactly the thought. That's where I was going. Honestly, this. man. Like it's hard not to. Because I was gonna here. say you guys have done quite a few shows from there this yes. year. That's a that's a nice benefit of that relationship. You get to work at Nat Bailey. I was gonna say this is this is either pretty close or. Oh, it's up there. Yeah. It's tie for me
0: because, like, we're hanging out. There's a nice breeze. I got a couple of people blocking my view, uh, one of them being Pick right now. But other than that, it's pretty good. You know? We're used to it. We're used to it, but this is an unbelievable venue, just like Nat Bailey Stadium. Yes. So that's my Don't At Me. Uh, you got one?
1: That one that's that's, that's still, where I was going. going. That's right. where I was going. This
0: is why we uh, we discussed this before the show, but no, we don't. Don't At Me. This coming from Rager. But the Canucks will have a top five power play and PK this season. That's not a that's not a crazy take. Like
1: potential is there. Sure. And they're making the playoffs if they have that.
0: Yes. And so what what are the things that we generally say, right? A lot of times, what happens is when a team wins because of goaltending and a power play, we say, yeah, but they're five on five. Teams? Yeah. Good. But the fact is. You'll take it any day if your power play is top five. You'll take the goaltender being elite mm-hmm. because that's a part of the game. It's not like it's not a part of the game. If I look at that power play, and we've all talked about this, they've underachieved with Pettersson, with JT, with Brock, with Bo, and a Quinn Hughes, yep. and depth. All of Larson, if he's on most other teams in the NHL, probably half other teams, he's probably running their first power play. So they do have that depth. They've just underachieved. I'm curious to see how Jason King, and maybe Mikey O might have a role in this as well, as mm-hmm. now being kind of the lead assistant on this team. yeah How that's changed. But the PK I'm excited for because I think Mikhaeev does change it that Mikheyev,
1: much. Mikhaev, Lazar. Lazar will too. That's uh yeah, that's that's massive. And those are I think you could call the modern penalty killers. Because they are relentless. Yep. Um. They're they're tactically smart in, in playing the the lanes and know what they need to do. But their mindset is I'm, I'm winning the puck. Like I'm getting the puck, and yes, maybe I ice it. Maybe in McKeough's case, I'm, I'm I'm taking it and I'm going to see if I can make something out of nothing and score. But they have that. You know the, the the like kind of a, w- w- the power kill. That's the the yep. term, right? That, that they, they are near the top of the list of the players. You're
0: not uh, pay- you're not playing Bender uh, break. No, uh, Ben, but not break. Yeah, right? you're not playing that they're, style. They're, like they're
1: interested in, in the power kill game, and um, just based on what I've seen. And look, uh, the Leafs are on on hockey night every week, and yep. the the Bruins are on TV quite a bit here. Those are two teams that uh, I've seen. I mean, you know, Lazar's played in, in a few other places as well, but. Um, those two guys are near the top of the list Mikaev is obviously is you know because of what he did with the Leafs and making good on that opportunity that that is yeah I, I am looking forward to that because it, it's been you know even the years where the power the PK has been okay it's been okay and we are celebrating yeah <laughs> oh it's it's not terrible this year it's league average uh, it, or whatever right so look if it's verging, if it's even verging on top five that's that's a win we got this one from Kurt from Ladner
0: don't at me, but Randy will at somebody in this segment. I'm trying my best not to. I'm trying my best not to. I'm trying to go with the segment here. Um, so, Kurt, I'm not adding you. We got this one from Marcus and Gibsons. Don't at me. Shen needs to play with Rathbone and protect him like he did with Quinn. And move OEL up to the top line with Hughes. One of them can play the right side, I'm sure. Okay, one thing's for sure. I do believe OEL needs a new partner. I'm not necessarily all that keen on the OEL Myers experiment that we saw last year. The craziness. So, I agree. Hughes on the right side. Like, we haven't necessarily... We've seen it maybe in, like, a couple instances, mm-hmm. but we haven't seen it consistently. Will it happen this year?
1: That, to me, is more a break glass in case of emergency. Have you seen that defense? I know. It's not
0: an emergency, but it's pretty close. I know, but, like,
1: I'm, st- I'm trying more moves to keep him on his natural side before... Uh, I'm, I'm certainly not building out the defense with him on the right side at this point. Okay. If, if everything else during the season, if they are you know, top 5 PK, top 5 power play, Thatcher Demko's playing well, they figured out the forward lines, and the defense is still a mess, then you go, okay, you know what, Quinn, you, you might have to play on the right side, because that's best with our personnel, but not to start the season. Okay, we haven't actually asked that question
0: of Quinn Hughes. I don't recall, like I it might might have been called, you know, asked a couple of years ago, but I'm going to try to make a, an effort this year to to get Quinn's thoughts on that whenever we get a chance to, to talk to him, because you know, I'm sure every player has a certain mindset as well or something they have in mind for their for their you know their preference. And Quinn Hughes is is making enough money now in this team. Uh, obviously, the left side is preferred, but would he would he be against playing the right hand side? Uh, this one from Kevin from Calgary. Don't at me. The Blue Jays won't be playing any games beyond the regular season this year. The Orioles can they do it? Is the question because if there's <laughs> if there's likely a team as He's of right now going to sneak in there, yeah. their bullpen is like what top five in the all of the majors right now? Like they just have these kind of random parts that they picked up, and they have Mountcastle who absolutely goes off against the Blue Jays. Yeah, can no, they do no it?
1: Doubt that OPS. Woo,
0: unbelievable! All right, that one from Kevin in Calgary. We have got this one. Don't at me, but Aiden Hutchinson will blow up. And take out Kirk Cousins in the first Detroit minigame.
1: <laughs> wow, that must be a Detroit Lions fan coming in there. Josh, how do
0: you feel about that? Please don't. Do you want to add that?
1: <laughs> I mean, please don't take out Kirk Cousins. Otherwise, the, the uh, Vikings will just fall apart.
0: Yes. Yes, they will. And then you'll be looking for a quarterback in the next draft. We got this one. You probably should be anyways. Uh, Glenn in Richmond coming in with this one. Don't at me. The difference between the Benning regime and the Alvine regime is illustrated perfectly by the difference between Lazar and the Dickinson contracts. Glenn and Richmond. Okay, the only question I would ask, and this is not only for Glenn, but everybody. When that Dickinson deal happened, I was actually looking forward to it. Yep. I I thought in Dallas he was pretty decent. Everyone.
1: There was nobody that was anti.
0: And even when that deal was signed, saying, hey, this guy's going to be a third-line center, he'll be solid. Just wasn't there. It was upheld as a Jim Benning win. Maybe we can talk about this tomorrow or closer to the season, but who has the most to prove for the Canucks this coming year? Mm, good I question. I feel as though Jason Dickinson is very high on that list.
1: He's, he's also high on that list because people, I think, forget that he's on the team.
0: Yeah. Like, when you're mapping out your lineups, half of those lineups don't even have Dickinson no. on
1: there. He's the forgotten man. So in that sense, hey, you come to camp, you make an impression. Can you be uh, a difference maker in the bottom six? Because that's, that's the opportunity. Then people start talking about it. So from that, like, that's like that's jumping from <laughs> very little expectations to maybe this guy can, can bring something to the lineup. I love
0: this text. This might be a clubhouse leader uh, before we go to break here. Puff coming in with, don't at me. But the Canucks have a strong forward group, as strong as the 2011 team, if not stronger. Woo! Before any games are played, on paper, forward group is stronger than the 2011 team. Puff, be puffing.
1: That's somewhere. Two, Puff, th- be puffing. Two forty goal scorers in an era where goal scoring wasn't as uh, easy. Okay, uh, that's a high bar.
0: We're gonna keep this going. Keep sending in your submissions. Sometimes the late submissions win for "Don't at me." We'll. Announce the winner of the Vancouver Canines tickets on the other side. And, yes, we're going to talk some more Canucks. We're also going to do wrong answers only. Bring that back because we want to share some of your answers right here on The People Show. This is The People Show with Big Nazar and Randy Janda. Final segment of the People Show, live from the Odlin Brown Van Open. This hour of the People Show is brought to you by Douglas Lake Equipment. Get the quality turf, construction, and egg equipment you need while staying under your salary cap at the closest Kubota dealer to the lower mainland. DouglasLakeEquipment.com. And as we speak, Jeannie Bouchard is on center court playing here at the Van Open. Mm-hmm. So the match is getting started, has gotten started, and we'll see how she fares uh, in her first match in 17 months, she's playing against Ariane Hartono of the Netherlands. So, something to watch there. We'll try to keep you uh, posted here, at the very least. If you can, you w- you do want to follow along. You can always follow Audley Brown Van Open on Twitter for updates. But um, interesting moment for her. Obviously, a big moment in her career. She had the, uh, I guess you could say, the strongest part of her career and and the most successful at this point in time. Uh, 2014, when she Mm -hmm. was making semis and quarterfinals and finals at Wimbledon, uh, hoping for just keeping the bar low, just wants to get this match in, get that experience, get those reps in. So we'll keep you posted on whatever happens in that match while the show is going. Uh, Don't at me. We did have it last segment. Do want to award those tickets to the Vancouver Canadiens game. And I got to say, I'm going to go with this one. Okay. Mention it before the break because it started – Got me thinking, and that's kind of the goal here with Don't At Me. Does it get you thinking? Does it get you fired up? Puff, bring in the heat. Don't At Me, but the Canucks have a strong forward group, as strong forward group as the one in 2011, if not stronger. (laughs) So, Puff, congratulations. Hot takes. We welcome them here on the People Show. bring it, and uh, congratulations. You get the C's tickets for the Nooner at the Nat on the 26th. So, I'm looking at that 2011 team right now. We know about the Twins. We know about Kessler. We know about Samuelson, who was a 50-point guy that year. Yep. Burrows, near 50-point guy. Mason Raymond was 40-point guy. 39 points, pretty close. Manny Malhotra got you 30 points. Let's remember that. I, I think a lot of people forget that. From a fourth line or a third line, depending on how you want to talk about usage. Yeah. The best, one of the best in his role got you 30 points, but he was very role-specific. Right? Like, Mason. identity fit was perfect. Yeah. Rafi Torres, another 30-point guy, brought his abrasive nature. Yannick Hansen, 30-point guy. Yep. You you notice how many 30, 40-point guys I'm just listing off here? And I'm not even talking about the 194-point guys. So, (laughs) the Canucks this year, I I like the bold take. I think there's potential points there for sure. Like, Pod Colson, if he takes a step, if he turns into a 40, 45-point player, yeah. Kuzmenko... Huge question mark. Could he be a player that translates from picking up, you know, 40 plus points, 50 points in the KHL to being maybe something similar in the NHL? Yes, but he could also be like a Nikita Gusev, does it when you're, gets her, is gone. Yeah. Shipachev never does it in the NHL (laughs) and is gone almost immediately. So that forward group, man, 2011, just looking at it, that's an extremely high bar. and, And I'm optimistic about this forward group this year. Puff is very, very. Um, he's drinking the cooler. It's out there. Oh yeah.
1: If they get three quarters of the way
0: there, that'll be a huge accomplishment. The text was very specific about the Ford Group, but then it got me thinking. Right? We listed the points of the 2011 group. We listed the roles. We listed the identity, kind of characters they had. Just a greater appreciation of defense. When you start looking at that team, Sallow, Biexa, Hamhuse. You know. You go further, Christian Ehrhoff. When I when you talk about fifty point players, that's one. Yep, loved Christian Ehrhoff, man. <laughs> yeah, that, and that's the greatest defensive unit in team history. Has to be, arguably in cap era. You could even argue based on the depth that the the Canucks had across the NHL. Alex Edler. There's Alex. I can, I forgot about a young Alex Edler. You know who was a taxi squad player on that team? Chris Tanev. Chris Tanev, right? Yeah. Just uh, looking back at that team. Yeah, you you shows you how much depth you need within an organization to be at the highest of ends and I think when you look at this year's team not only the Canucks but across the league the spot you want to aim for is is the Tampa Bays of the world and obviously the Colorado's of the world after them winning the cup that's what the Canucks were in 2011 they were that and the amount of depth that you need I'm glad Puff brought up that text And brought that example It just shows you what you need to be at the highest of ends In the NHL Even back then and today Different type of player, different type of mindset But Izzy,
1: that's depth The Canucks don't have much of it No, no. I mean you looked at the way that 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 defense was deployed We spent so much time And I think this is true across the NHL With exceptions of the teams that have That depth, those top teams Some of them that you just mentioned Teams are just trying to get a solid first pair, where you've got an elite player and a player that complements him, and then a lot of teams are okay well we, we've got that pair, we need that second pair that is that's the hardest thing to me that's the hardest thing to find mm-hmm. in the NHL because you need to find a player that is uh, not going to cost a, a you know ton on the cap that can play a ton of minutes, is not necessarily going to put up a lot of points but is going to be an impactful player. And in case of an injury, can't step up and play in that role. And most teams don't have really solid second pairs. We're talking about if you're just going to do an evaluation, there's a lot of third-pair guys in the league. Yeah, and They're NHL players. They're good enough to be in the league. But they are in the ideal format on the third pair. The Canucks had two pairings. And then, you know, because you, 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 you go through and, you like, Salo is, like, arguably the fifth guy in that group. Yeah. You feel good about those two maybe even three pairings being your first pair and we, Ham Hughes, the impact that he had playing playing with BXA, that was that was great and that was you know those are two guys that weren't going to put up a ton of points that Airhoff was there it's to right. do that yeah and so they had yeah i mean uh, you, you look back on those teams and i know i know it ended in disappointment but looking back now it was it was a pretty special thing and um that's that is the standard for it, sure it
0: definitely is and i think you see that Every single year, right? Like Tampa Bay, look at their left side on defense. Victor Hedman, Surgachev. Yep. And up until this year it was Ryan McDonough. Yeah. And Ryan McDonough was the shutdown guy, gave Victor Hedman a little bit more liberty to
1: kind of do his thing. And
0: yeah, Surgachev. And
1: gave Surgachev the ability to, you know, pop in and sometimes he he could show up on the on the right side exactly. as well. Gave you options, you could do whatever you want in that
0: regard. Now you look at Colorado, very similar situation, right? You've got options. You got Kale McCarr. You've got Samuel Gerrard when he's healthy. Mm-hmm. You've got Bo Byram. You've got Devon Taves. Very much the same thing. When you add that depth on the, you know, the back end, it just means so much more because you you've got guys that can eat minutes. So that drop-off from one to two to your point, it's a golf right now in the Canucks. It is huge. It, it, it's, it's, and that's,
1: that's uh, the mark of a team that has some holes. And for as much as we can like what they've got up front and, of course, like what they've got in goal, that that gap, because those teams, yes, there's you know, when you have the a Victor Hedman type or Kale McCarr type, there's going to be a, a drop off between the first pair and For the second sure. pair. But if it's in the if they're playing a certain role and they can eat up minutes or they can they can score more points or whatever, you, when you minimize the drop off between one and two, it's huge because then you can just you can just roll two pairings and you like you're you're at the rink you're going to games when Tampa was here this year. I was there in the stands behind, I was sitting behind one of the nets. And I'm just watching. So I was, I was sitting in the end where the Canucks shoot twice. Yeah. So I'm just watching Tampa's D and every single one of their guys, even their number six guy who in that game was Zach Bogosian. They can break the puck out. Yes. There's no questions about if they win the puck back, they can start immediately down the ice. Hedman, Sergachev, even, like, McDonough in his prime, you know, with the Rangers was such a good player. And, like, it is tough, and that's what the Canucks are lacking a bit, is the Dan Hamhuis, Kevin Bieksa mold players that can play a ton of minutes. They bring a certain dynamic. In Bieksa's case, he was really tough. In Hughes' case, like, you know, just such a smart defensive player. They certainly don't have that right now. And
0: that's why there's such a desperation from the last regime to get OEL, Right. Uh, totally. How do you bridge that gap? How do you how do you make it closer? But the problem is, you need more than that. You're yeah. going to need more than that, and unfortunately for OEL, not unfortunately for him, he's making a great living. Yeah. But for the cap situation, it does make things more complicated. We got some heat coming for Puff in the <laughs> yeah, text box. This is due at me. <laughs> yeah. at, at Puff. that was the last segment. Now it's uh, yeah, you can at this person. <laughs> Nah, nah, nah. I'm going. I'm adding Puff. That's straight. <laughs> not true at all. Another one coming in with Is Puff saying we have at least three future Hall of Famers on this roster then? That's Kurt from Ladner. Uh, some heat coming from Puff, but you ended up coming with a hot take. It could be true, could not be true. You
1: understood the assignment. You understood the
0: assignment. It created a conversation. And. It works in other sports, too. I remember when the Bulls came to town way back when, Grizzlies, I was at one of those games, the only Grizzlies game I ever went to. Okay. And it was, I believe it was 98. Okay. Michael Jordan didn't do much of anything. Yeah. He didn't have to. He still probably dropped like 22. <laughs> probably. But Jason Caffey had 25 that game. Because they're so much better than everybody else that they didn't really need their big guns that night. Yeah. Scotty Pippen was chilling. Dennis Rodman was suspended for kicking the cameraman. <laughs> Jason Caffey was a high man with 25. When you have depth, you're in a position to, to do that. And I've, the Tampa Bay Lightning have been able to do that. The Colorado Avalanche have been able to do that. The Vancouver Canucks could do that back in the day on their defense. How do they get back to that level? It's a long-term project. You can't get there really all that quickly. Because in order to get up, get um, you know, good defensemen, you do have to give up something. Uh, this text coming in. You guys soundmaker D, you guys make our D sound a lot worse than it is. Realistically, we just need one fast uh, tough player for Quinn. Okay. We did our defensive rankings earlier on this week. And I think the Canucks probably have the fifth best defensive unit in the Pacific the division. division. In yeah. the division. I don't want to alarm you. It wasn't the, it no. wasn't the league. <laughs> I
1: wasn't top 5 power play, yeah. top 5 PK, no, no, no. top no. Come 5 D. On.
0: I don't think they're I don't think they're the, you know, bottom two, bottom three, but I think we understand that there's some serious deficiencies there, right? You've got, you're really missing that number two defenseman to your point. Maybe even that number three guy. But at least number two. I I think OEL can be a good good three, but number two for sure. So I'm not really low on this team's defense, especially when you start looking at the rest of the division because the rest of the division is not that great either. But they are missing some things. They are missing some obvious things. And that's why I, maybe it sounds like we're tough on it, but the defense, look at it, Luke Shen is good, but you need to upgrade. You need to raise the bar every now and then as well. So it's a tough, tough thing to do for management. Defensemen are tough to come by. So, you know, you have to dra- draft them as Johnny Babula, uh, texts in right now, comes down to scouting, drafting, and getting your money's worth while they're cheap and young. And that's something that they haven't been able to do. They got one defenseman in Jack Rathbone, but they don't have, Much more than that. Maybe that changes with a Truscott. Can he be an NHL player? Mm -hmm. Maybe that changes with a Yoni Yermo. Can he be an NHL player? You got a couple of wild cards. No sure thing. But the Canucks are not the only team on that front as well. There's other teams trying to figure it out. All right, we got a few more minutes. I want to bring back... Wrong answers only. Let's Do sh- better, end off uh, the show. People are asking for it in the box. Uh, Rager's saying, Randy, totally forgot about wrong answers. You called never, out, Never, Never forget about wrong answers only. <laughs> that's my favorite segment. No,
1: it's not. Confession Friday is your yes, favorite that segment. Is, that is absolutely true. Have you done a Confession <laughs> Friday? Yeah. Oh, yes. so good, right? Yeah, a couple of weeks ago. It was an experience. W- I had to go take a bath. Uh, that's exactly it. If you have a shower after that, that's the way it's done. <laughs> you feel dirty after it. <laughs>
0: Hearing and seeing people's all, all their sins. But right now, wrong answers only. What will PGA golfers discuss at their players only meeting? We had uh, a bunch of answers come in a little bit earlier and varying degrees. Some saying, a couple of texts on this front. Minor Matt, we'll put your name on it. They're asking, I wonder what's up with JT Miller. Discussing trade proposals for JT Miller. I expected that one to come in. Yep. 650, 650. Hit us up with yours. Niner Matt also came in with. They're talking about how bad Manchester United is. We're all talking about that. That that'll be a long meeting. Yeah, going for years. <laughs> Jason and <laughs> South Man. Wrong answers only. Players will discuss whether a back alley street fight, a la Anchorman, would be a good way to decide who the best golfers in the world are. Live tour, live series versus the PGA Tour in a back alley fight.
1: Who's bringing the trident? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know about that. Which side is uh, John Daly on, by the way? <laughs> oh. Do we know? Whichever side gives him a golf cart, a cigarette, and a can of Diet Coke. Yeah, yeah, probably. Low standards there. <laughs> yeah, He's not talking Learjets anymore. No, he's.
0: I don't, he might even have his own Learjet. Doesn't he have, like, his own clothing company that makes a fair bit of money? Yeah, I think, I think he's done okay. They're hideous shirts and pants, but, hey, man, he's doing all right. He's doing all right. We got this one. Uh... Max in the U.S. Boys, they're obviously discussing the potential JT Miller trade before the next deadline. We got another one. Rager texting in. They're discussing how they can rig the randomizer to get into the People's Show
1: Fantasy League. Hey, that's an exclusive club. That's, you know, Tiger. I don't know. He could offer me $800 million. I still wouldn't let him in. He'd go into I'm the randomizer. Liar. I'm a liar. You are very much Yeah, a liar. come on now.
0: Uh, we got this one. Marcus and Gibson's wrong answers only. We'll never know. Lou Lamorella is running the meeting. <laughs> that's good. I like that one. That's a good one. Uh, we got, uh, we got some. I like how this turns into Confession Friday. Like we're talking about stuff that's wholesome, and people bring other things into it. Wrong answers only. Uh, don't, don't at me. Was the last one. Don't at me, but Randy forgot about wrong answers only. Yeah, I didn't forget about it. No, it's make you wait for it. Yeah, come on. 650, 650. Hit us up with yours. Thank you very much for uh, taking part in wrong answers only today. And Izzy, this is your first show with me in a while. Yeah, it's been a while, but
1: you're coming back and uh, yeah, next few week. Days. Uh, got a couple shows. Um, this is you know the nice time, and this is perfect. I'm going to ask if we can just do 12 to 4 at Hollyburn. Have some high quality sports played in front of us, like a, a pretty close. You know, walk or drive for you as well, yep. right? Yeah, North Shore you can, guy. You can just jog over, because the week after that, I'm doing mornings again uh, with Jay Dodd.
0: Yeah, good luck with that. So, good luck with that. that this
1: is this is the easy living.
0: Okay, okay. Before we let you go, and uh, we got a couple more minutes left in the show, uh, you covered the Blue Jays for years. Yep. What do you do with Kikuchi? Oh man, yeah, I'm, 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 I I saved this question for the last question of the day today, on purpose. Do you? Uh, you're twelve million dollar guy. Year one of that contract, do you just say, all right, go, go chill in the bullpen. We'll call you when we need you. Or do you keep on bringing him out? At this point, you've
1: you got to sit him down. It's been that bad. Like, well, year one in. Yeah, because, I mean, look, in baseball, things can flip. And next year, he can come back and, and, and be in the rotation. But you have to, you have to manage the team. Day to day, and right now, that's that's he, he's simply not been been good enough. I know they felt like like the thing is Barrios. He's just signed a long term extension, and he looked like he was he definitely was changing the way he was pitching. He was going for more strikeouts than normal to make up for the fact that he was having a, a, a less than stellar season. But the last couple of starts and the last start in particular were rough. But with him, you don't really have a choice. You can't go with Barrios being shaky and Kikuchi. In the lineup or in the, in the rotation, yep. when you're you're holding on to a wild card spot, you can't have two pitchers. You'd rather take a chance with a uh, Mitch White. It is getting real now. So like you can't to the
0: point of yes, you've made a healthy investment, but if it costs you games in something that could be decided by a game or two yep. against a team who is an upstart that they sold at the deadline. It yeah. doesn't
1: bad. It doesn't mean that uh, that his tenure in, in Toronto is, is over. Yeah. That happens in baseball. I mean, like, Tim Lincecum was the man. Yeah. And then eventually at some point they were like, you're, you won two Cy Youngs. Like, this is like, he, Tim Lincecum won yeah. the Cy Young twice for the Giants. And at some point in the postseason they're like, you're a fireman. You're coming out of the bullpen. Yeah. You're, you're, you've done things that very few pitchers have done. But And this is, this is a guy, yes, they made the investment, but there's no, there's no long-term loyalty. I mean, even look, uh, the Jays traded for Mark Burley when I covered the team. And uh, he wasn't on the roster in 2015. He wasn't on the playoff roster. He wasn't, he wasn't going to pitch in the playoffs. And that's a guy who, like, borderline Hall of Fame, probably Hall of Very Good, perfect game, no-hitter, World Series yeah. champion. He was left off the roster. It wasn't even just this guy's not going to start for us. And, you know, maybe you could compare the two teams that way. But, yeah, uh, he, he's, he's got a. It, it just hasn't been good enough. And if Barrios is the guy that you've committed to, At least that's your one potential liability with higher upside, too.
0: Yeah, low leverage work innings is probably what Kikuchi needs right now, where you put them in a game where they're down like 6-1 or 5-1 or something like that, where just get your confidence back. Uh, Jeannie Bouchard on center core right now. She's down 4-2 in the first set, so we'll see how that goes. Keep an update on Audlum Brown on Twitter, Audlum Brown Van Open. And uh, this Hour of the People show has been brought to you by Douglas Lake Equipment. Get the quality turf construction, and egg equipment you need while staying under your salary cap at the closest Kubota dealer to the lower mainland, Douglas Lake, uh, douglaslakeequipment.com. And that's it for us today. Thanks to Izzy for coming in today and fun, co-host, man. co-hosting. This is a, a great background and a great backdrop for the show and just very happy to be here as well. Thank you for tuning in to the People's Show. Make sure to download the podcast. For Josh, Lena, Izzy, I'm Randy. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Blue Jays baseball is next on Sportsnet 650.